Christos Anesti. Aletheos Anesti. Christ is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Resurrection blessings to all of you on Pentecost Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the risen Jesus breathes on his church, may each of us graciously respond to his invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on Pentecost Sunday. Guiding us today in opening the Word of God is Pope St. Leo, one of the Latin or Western Fathers of the Church. In addition, he is one of only a handful of Fathers of the Church designated the Great. As Bishop of Rome in the mid-5th century, Pope St. Leo the Great fought against Arianism, Pelagianism, and Manichaeanism, to name only a few. As Roman society was collapsing, St. Leo provided not only sound leadership in the Church, but in society at large by working vigorously to care for the needs of the poor through the corporal works of mercy. On this Solemnity of the Holy Spirit, we listen to an excerpt from his Homily 75, entitled, On Pentecost, delivered on Pentecost Sunday in the year 443. The hearts of all Catholics know well, dearly beloved, that today's solemnity ought to be honored among the special feasts. No one doubts how much reverence is owed to this day, which the Holy Spirit has consecrated by the wonderful miracle of his own gift. For from that day on which the Lord ascended over all the heights of heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, this day is the tenth. It is likewise the fiftieth from the resurrection of that same Lord, who enlightened us about him, from whom light began. It contains great mysteries in itself, of both the old and the new dispensations, by which it is very clearly shown that grace was foretold by the old law, and that the law was fulfilled by grace. As once to the Hebrew people, freed from Egypt, the law was given on Mount Sinai on the fiftieth day after the sacrifice of the Lamb. So after the Passion of Christ, when the true Lamb of God was killed, on the fiftieth day from his resurrection, 
the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles and the community of believers. The attentive Christian can easily know that the beginnings of the Old Testament had ministered to the principles of the gospel and that the second covenant was established by the same Spirit who had set up the first. As the history of the apostles shows us, when the fifty days were completed and they were all together in that same place, suddenly a sound was made from heaven as of a violent wind approaching, and it filled the whole house where they were. And there appeared to them parted tongues as of fire, and these rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, just as the Holy Spirit was given them to speak. Oh, how swift is that speech of wisdom! Where God is the teacher, how quickly is that learned which is being taught? No interpretation is used in order to understand. No practice is needed in order to use it. No time is needed to study, but with the spirit of truth blowing wherever he pleases, the particular voices of each distinct people become familiar in the mouth of the church. From this day, the trumpet of the gospel teaching resounds. From this day, showers of graces, streams of benedictions, water all the desert and every wasteland, since to renew the face of the earth, God's Spirit hovered over the water. To take away the old darkness, beams of new light flash out, when by the splendor of those glowing tongues, the word of the Lord becomes clear and speech takes fire. Both the force of giving light and the power for burning were present for this reason, to create knowledge and to destroy sin. Although, dearly beloved, the very appearance of this event was especially awesome, and there is no doubt that in the exultant harmony of all the languages of the world, the majesty of the Holy Spirit was present. Still, no one should think that the divine substance had appeared in these things which were seen with bodily eyes. The invisible nature, also common to the Father and Son, showed by means of the sign he wished, the qualities of his gift and work. But in his divinity, he held the distinctiveness of his own essence. As human sight cannot touch the Father or the Son, neither can it touch the Holy Spirit. In the divine trinity, nothing is dissimilar. Nothing is unequal. All that can be thought of in that substance have not been separated in strength, 
nor in glory, nor in eternity. Although, in the qualities of the persons, one is Father, the other is Son, and the other is Holy Spirit, nevertheless, there is not another divinity, nor is there a diverse nature. If indeed the Son is the only begotten from the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Son, He is not like any created being which belongs to the Father and the Son, but is with each, living and powerful, and subsisting eternally from that which is the Father and the Son. Thus, when the Lord before the day of his passion promised to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you to the complete truth. For he will not be speaking from himself, but will say whatever he has heard, and he will tell you the things to come. All the things which the Father has are mine. And on that account did I say that he will receive from mine and will announce to you. Consequently, there are not some things that belong to the Father, some to the Son, and others to the Holy Spirit. But everything the Father has, the Son also has, and the Holy Spirit also has. Never was there not this fellowship in that trinity, because to have all things is to always exist. No times, no gradations, no differences should be imagined here. If no one can explain about God what he is, let no one dare to affirm what he is not. It is more excusable not to speak words worthy of the indescribable nature than to define what is contrary. Whatever devout hearts can conceive about the eternal and unchangeable glory of the Father, they understand also of the Son and of the Holy Spirit inseparably and without distinction. Hence, We confess the Blessed Trinity as one God, because in these three persons there is no diversity of substance, nor of power, nor of will, nor of operation. Just as we shun the Arians who want some separation between the Father and the Son, so we equally shun the Macedonians who, although they attribute equality to the Father and to the Son, think the Holy Spirit to be of an inferior nature. They do not realize that they fall into that blasphemy which is to be forgiven neither in this age nor in the future judgment, as the Lord says. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but 
Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the one to come. Those remaining in this rebellion are without pardon because they shut off from themselves the one through whom they would be able to confess. These can never come to the healing of mercy when they have no advocate to plead for them. For from that very one is the appeal to the Father. From that very one are the tears of penitence. From him are the cries of suppliants. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. His equal omnipotence and single divinity with the Father and the Son, the Apostle very clearly preaches, saying, There is a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of labors, but the same God who manages all things in all of them. With these and with other proofs without number, dearly beloved, with which the authority of the divine words shine out, let us rouse ourselves with one mind to the celebration of Pentecost. Let us rejoice in honor of the Holy Spirit, through whom the whole Catholic Church is sanctified and every rational soul is filled. He is the inspiration of faith, the teacher of knowledge, the fountain of love, the sign of chastity, and the cause of all virtue. Let the spirits of all the faithful rejoice that in the whole world one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is extolled by the praise of all languages, and that this sign, which appeared as fire, perseveres in both its work and its gift. This Spirit of Truth makes the home of His glory shine with the glow of His own light, and in His temple wishes that nothing be dark, nothing be lukewarm. From this strength and this teaching also has come for us the cleansing of fasts and alms. A custom of healthful observance follows this honorable day that all holy people have always found useful for themselves. It is one which, with pastoral care, we urge you to celebrate earnestly, so that if unguarded carelessness has produced any spot in recent day, the reproof of fasting might atone for it and a holy devotion amend it. Let us fast on Wednesday and Friday. On Saturday, however, in this very place, let us celebrate the vigil 
with customary devotion. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast sanctify your whole church in every people and nation, pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia.